The following program is furnished by Startup Nation Media Group. All right, welcome to this edition of Startup Nation Radio. As always, this is the show focused on bringing you great stories of entrepreneurs that have made it, those still struggling to make it and fighting every day to make a success out of their business, and those that want to start a business but maybe don't know exactly what to do or how to do it. This is what Startup Nation Radio is all about. So welcome to the show. We've got a couple of great guests for you. We're going to kick it off with an entrepreneur who has found a way to combine a real sense of social purpose with business, matched with an intense personal interest to have her company be one that is also contributing to the global good of the local community and beyond. On this show today, we've got Allie Rose Van Overbeck. Allie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on. You're the founder of Genesee, based in Flint, Michigan, where I'm from, actually. It's so cool. I, I don't think we've interviewed an entrepreneur from Flint on the show. So for that reason alone, Allie, it's great to have you on because you have created a business you're going to tell us about that not only is a great business opportunity, but also achieves your personal desire to do some social good with and as a result of your business. Tell us about Genesee. So Genesee is the first circular economy eyewear brand and manufacturer. We're making eyeglass frames in Flint, Michigan from recycled single-use plastic water bottles that were a result of the Flint water crisis. And we really founded the business out of the desire to do good for people and planet. And one of the main purposes of starting Genesee as well was to be able to create jobs locally in the Flint community that anyone could be trained to do. And we're very specifically biased towards hiring low-income individuals, people who are coming out of incarceration, individuals with disabilities, to really create job opportunities for those who are often overlooked in traditional jobs. So Genesee launched in 2018 through a Kickstarter and crowdfunding campaign prior to starting Genesee. I was living and working in New York for 10 years. I attended Parsons for fashion design and then post-graduation ended up working as a stylist for some large advertising campaigns and then as a designer more within corporate fast fashion for a large billion dollar fashion conglomerate. And just in that experience, my eyes are really open to how unsustainable the fashion industry is, both environmentally as well as from a labor perspective. And it just wasn't aligned with my personal values. I ended up taking a sabbatical and went to India to do the whole eat, love, pray thing. Now, at that point, Allie, I have to tell you, as a hardcore entrepreneur, being the hardcore entrepreneur that I am and looking at things through that lens all the time, at that point, I'm counting Allie out. You are done with entrepreneurship. You are focused on other things. You are not focused on business. You're headed to India. What are you thinking? I mean, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur, to be honest, but I just knew I needed to go on my own journey and find purpose in the world. And when I was in India, I, I volunteered with an NGO in Hyderabad, retraining women who are in domestically abusive relationships with sewing skills. So they had to form a financial independence. And that was really my light bulb moment of, of seeing how you can merge fashion and social purpose. And I wanted to use fashion for doing good. And I flew back to Michigan to be with family on Christmas day of 2016 with like full intentions of telling my mom, I was leaving my corporate job in New York, selling everything I owned and moving to India. But when I landed in Michigan, that was the height of the Flint water crisis. 
and I was going to be here for a few weeks. So I started volunteering with the American Red Cross in Flint, delivering water door to door and realized I didn't need to move to the other side of the world to make impact, that there was a community in my own backyard that hopefully I could use my skill set as a designer to be of service and be a part of a longer term solution in the community. I don't know how to solve a water crisis, but I know how to make things. I'm a, I'm a designer. And so my brain went to seeing this waste stream of single-use plastic, which was just piling up everywhere. And I like, guess there a way that we can make something of purpose and need with this waste. And as I continue to build relationships in the community in Flint and just asking people the really simple question of what does Flint actually need, Every single person I spoke with said jobs. So I knew this didn't just need to be a small art project or, you know, political commentary that we actually needed to find a way to create a product of purpose and need that could in turn create jobs in the community for anyone and everyone. First of all, this is one of the most amazing stories I think we've had on Startup Nation Radio. I mean, it, it really, and when I teased you a moment ago about, you know, what are you thinking going to India and all the rest? First of all, I love who you are and what drives you and all the rest. But as it relates to business, I have to ask the question, it begs the question, are you driven by primarily doing something good? Because that tends to be the focus. We haven't even talked about the company or your product yet or anything else. What are you driven by with Genesee? Is it to have a vehicle to do good in the community or is it a business first that can also, oh, by the way, do some good along the way as part of its mission? both. I am definitely an instigator and a disruptor. And I firmly believe that business can be a driver for doing good. You can be incredibly successful from a traditional business perspective, but also be doing good in the world and building a business from the foundation of having stronger morals and ethics compared to what we've seen in the past. And I think that's what the modern day consumer is absolutely demanding is more transparency around supply yes. chain. Mission, purpose, yeah. But I just have to ask you the same kind of question in a different way. You know, I might say to you at that point, if I were advising and if I just met you at this point in your journey and and the part of the story as you were telling it, before you really got started in Flint, I might have said to you, go start a nonprofit or go work for a nonprofit or, you know, why do you need to start a business? Why is a business part of this equation for you in your personal journey? I think that's kind of also the point. I get so annoyed when people are like, oh, you should, you know, you can start a nonprofit. It's like, no, that's the point. The disruptive part of what we're doing is that we are building a business on the foundation of doing good and proving that there is a new business model out there that addresses triple bottom line returns, people planet profit, that can be successful, that can show returns, uh, in terms of social justice and sustainability as well. It may be annoying, but you would have to agree it's a fair question, right? I think it's a fair question, but I think it's a bit of an outdated question. I love that that question is what prompted you both, A, to give us the answers about the distinction, but two, more importantly, to forge your path as an entrepreneur, starting a business, showing the way both of these things can work together in concert and maybe even do better than one or the other independently, not only for the business and its owner, its shareholders, or whoever whoever they may be, in this case you, I assume, but also do good for the community. And that's a beautiful thing. I mean, your story is exemplary in that respect. And we're proud to have you in Flint, Michigan, where I'm from as well, as I mentioned earlier, and to be doing the good that you are in the community and to be setting an example of how to build a great 
business with purpose and mission and not just driven by the almighty dollar. We're going to come back with more and hear how you put it all together, Allie. You had this vision. We want to hear the steps you've taken. We want to hear where you are with the company today and where you're headed with all this. We're going to cover that in the next segment on Startup Nation Radio right after this break. Stick with us. All right, welcome back to Startup Nation Radio. I mentioned in the opening segment that the story we're featuring is one of the more interesting, if not the most interesting, we've had on Startup Nation Radio. You know, for me, entrepreneurship in and of itself serves a major purpose. For me, it's not all about, I'm talking me personally, it's not all about just making money. It's about evangelizing for the power of entrepreneurship to help set people up for life, whether it's a part-time extra income or whether it's a full-time job and passion. Entrepreneurship and startup business has so much of a person's individual character and nature in it. And so it becomes part of who they are, part of their identity. And it's a great source of pride in many cases. And we've got an entrepreneur on right now telling her story of a business that's got a lot to be proud of. And then some, we have Allie Rose Van Overbeck on with us. She's the founder of Genesee, based in Flint, Michigan. Not only good business, but doing good at the same time. Allie, you were telling us a story in the first segment about kind of the why, you know, the backstory to how and why you got this business started. We would like to focus now on the how. So here you had this vision, you're in Flint, Michigan, you're going to start a business that's not only going to be a great business for you, but also uh, do good for the community. How did you begin to piece it together? Tell us what your product is and what the business is. So the product is Circular Economy Eyewear. We do sunglasses, prescription optical readers, blue light glasses. The frames are made here in Flint from recycled, single-use plastic water bottles. Our supply chain is uniquely within a 188-mile radius of Flint, Michigan. So we're Flint first and then are really focused on supporting third-party manufacturing from our optical lab to where we have our packaging made all here locally in Michigan. And we specifically look to create jobs and employ those who are structurally unemployable, low-income individuals, people who are coming out of incarceration, people with disabilities, and really being able to use our business as a driver for social change. That's incredible. So you, you had this vision. When, when did the business open? We launched in April of 2018 through a Kickstarter campaign. I was still living and working full-time in New York and starting the business as a side hustle in the late, late evenings and weekends while working a a 60-hour-a-week corporate fashion job. And I did two accelerators in New York, which we received some grant funding and business mentorship through. And then we launched through a Kickstarter campaign in 2018 and pre-sold more than $74,000 of one frame style in 30 days. From there, I picked up and left New York and moved full-time to Flint to get the business up and operating. And we started our initial manufacturing spot was in about a 400-square-foot space in the back quadrant of our optical lab that we continue to work with. Uh, And we got all of our Kickstarter orders out in December of 2018 and then started doing some pop-ups with Nordstrom and Shinola locally here in Michigan and started to scale our direct-to-consumer business online. 
And today, are you where you thought you would be right now? Now, of course, no one expected COVID. I don't know how that may have impacted your business, but certainly it impacts everyone. You know, are you generally where you thought you'd be right now? What have been some of the unexpected challenges or surprises, both good and bad, that put you where you are relative to where you wanted to be? Last March, when COVID hit, things were really, really hard. Sales were pretty dismal for us. We had a lot of great press and things, but it was just we had been bootstrapping it. We had very minimal angel investment and were really struggling just to scale our business. And I wasn't sure we were going to make it. And since COVID hit, we've grown more than 200% year over year. And the sales just really kept coming in. And in last year, like shortly after COVID, we got two of our largest wholesale orders from ShopBop and Anthropology. And since then, it's just been up and to the right. And we've continued to bring on some additional institutional investment, which is really allowing us to grow our team, scale our digital marketing, and grow brand awareness. Let me ask you this. How much of the purpose and mission orientation of the company, how much does that contribute to sales? I mean, typically, if you remove that from the equation and you came to me and said, I'm going to start this business, do you think it'll be successful? My answer to you would be, well, it depends on how you execute and it depends on I mean, you know, very broadly and largely, of course, there's a million factors. But the other thing I would say is it depends on the quality of the styling of the glasses, the durability, you know, all that kind of stuff about the product. Typically, this is about the product. But in your case, because of the purpose and mission driven orientation of the company, there's a bit of a either distraction from that or a contributor to the success of that. How specifically has that part of your business contributed to those sales? It's absolutely contributed, but I can also say COVID accelerated a lot of shifts in consumer behavior uh, that were already happening. For instance, now more than ever, customers are much more aware of wanting to shop local, support small, demanding transparency, not falling for greenwashing of a lot of these larger mass market fashion retailers that say they're doing sustainability capsule collections, but then are in turn, you know, overproducing millions of units that end up in landfill every year. And I would say our business model is really disruptive. Eyewear is a hugely wasteful industry. Typical eyewear is made through a reductive process of CNC cutting. About 90% of the acetate that's used to make glasses is then wasted in that process. We do injection molding, which is an additive process, and we're able to collect any scrap or breakage that happens in our manufacturing process, reprocess it, and continue to use it in our supply chain. So we really aim for zero waste manufacturing. And then our frames are designed for the circular economy, which means when our customer is done using them, we can buy them back for credit towards their next purchase and fully recycle their used glasses back into our material stream to really close this loop of waste and this linear economy that we're currently living in. This is an amazing business model. I would say transformative. I would say a business model of not just today, but tomorrow. Uh, it's kind of where it's going, where it's all going. And I hearken back to a, an interview I did, I don't know, four years ago, where I had a co-host on the show of national fame. And, and you know, he was an entrepreneur that had a strong voice and strong opinions. And 
I remember someone calling up saying, I want to start a company, and I don't recall exactly what it was, but there was some purpose beyond making money associated with the business, kind of like what you're proving can be done. And I remember the co-host saying, look, you're not interested in business. You're interested in nonprofit. I, I applaud that. It's got its place in the world. It's important, but go do that. You're not an entrepreneur. And I remember that very distinctly. They, and, and then I, you know, it's, it kind of stuck with me during the show. And I said to the co-host, look, that was a really strong opinion. I mean, you don't think those two things can match? And they said, no, typically this is a distraction. It doesn't work. But, but the times have changed. The times yeah. have absolutely changed. You're absolutely right. And you're spot on and you're showing us that times have changed. If someone were to call today, one would have to answer to the same call that happened four or five years ago. And you'd say, you know what? It can be done. And here's a model. Allie, you're, you're, you're laying the foundation for others to follow. And other companies are doing it too. But you're, you're right here in our backyard in Flint, Michigan, no less, doing amazing work, pioneering, doing it intellectually, doing it your way, and really showing us something here. And it's very inspiring. I, I applaud you and thank you. And um, certainly we thank you for sharing your story on Startup Nation Radio. But we want to give you all the support we possibly can. If people are interested in your product, how do they find you? You can shop all of our glasses online at genesee.com. It's G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com. And you can also follow us on social. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook. Wonderful. Allie, thank you so much for being on Startup Nation Radio. We're going to follow your story closely and root for you all the way. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Okay, Allie. Good. We'll be back in a moment with more on Startup Nation Radio. All right. Well, from one great Michigan entrepreneur to another, moving right along on Startup Nation Radio, we've got Zach Berg. You're the founder and co-owner and more importantly, the head cheesemonger. I'm right. the big cheese. Man, yeah. you're the only guy I know with that title. That's, that's pretty cool. Head cheesemonger at Monger's Provisions Absolutely. in Detroit. Love your store and love your story. Well, thank you so much. You, you guys are onto it. You know, um, at a time when there have been store closings, brick and mortar was getting hammered well before the pandemic. It's a tough environment. You found a way to make it happen. Yeah, it's been a really, obviously, it's been a strange year. And for food, especially, you know, our heart has been going out all year to those who their life mission is to feed people and they're in the restaurant industry or they're doing this and they're not able to, you know, feed people. And we've been right. so lucky that we kind of kept being able to live that for us. So why, why do you, I mean, I have my own hypotheses on why that is, and we can get into that. But from your perspective, what's the secret magic ingredient that keeps you guys I mean, you're, you're, you're growing, your business is doing great, right? Yeah, we've hired people, we're expanding, you know, we've been very lucky. I think the secret ingredient for us, I mean, passion is definitely a big part of it. And story has always been something we aimed at. We talked at the last interview about this idea of experiential retail, and we took this thesis and we were forced really to road test it in a way that we never did before. And so while we do some transactions in the store, the bulk of our transactions are outside of the store now. We're doing e-commerce and these virtual tastings have really been the big driver of our success. The thesis you referenced is, is or was what? The people are out shopping for more than just the food or the product in front of them. It's about the experience of curation and having this um, consultative cheese shopping experience is not how you buy cheese at the grocery store. We wanted to give people that that time and that, that connection with people. You know, the way I see the playing field these days, Amazon kind of changed the nature of buying. Yeah. And it forced a change on a brick and mortar to change the nature of what I'll call shopping. 
And there's a difference between buying and shopping. Shopping is inherently more experiential, right? Yeah. So when someone walks into your store, they want to smell the smells, taste the tastes, interface with the owner, the proprietor, the guy who's got the passion for the yeah. product they're coming in to buy. You know, uh, have the great taste samples and the and hear the stories, the backstory. People don't generally realize this, but those who love cheese know this. It's romantic in nature, yeah. right? Oh, I mean, there's kind of there's a lot of story that goes behind a block of cheese. I, I was just researching yesterday some cheeses because that's my life, and uh, I was looking at things that go back to three thousand or right. thousand BC. I mean, right. there's there's really fascinating pieces of history and culture wrapped up into these foods, and. Uh, you know, it's funny. I feel like so much business now is all about frictionless and speed, speed, speed. And in many ways, we slow everybody down in our store. Yes. We want to have a conversation. Yes. I want to yes. hear, what do you like? What have you had in right. the past? What can right. I introduce you to that you've never had before? Right. Before COVID, we sampled in the store. I literally gave you a piece of things before I would ever right. think that you would take it home. And uh, we miss that. We really want to go back to being able to eat with you in person. Yeah. But we're lucky that, you know, Zoom allows us to kind of eat together in a, in a different way. So so passion, storytelling, experience, that kind of that rich nature of being in the store, you know, being there with you, the guy who's got, as I said, that's got the passion. What, uh, where did this come from, Zach? The whole idea of, you know, cheese and passion. Your passion My for passion, cheese. Yeah, yeah it, that's an interesting question. I always loved food and I was on a path for most of my teens where I thought I'd be a chef. I went to culinary school. I, I cooked my way through high school and college and Working at Zingerman showed me a different way to do this and a way to be really happy and talk about food that didn't have the same pain that the restaurants sometimes bring. And so I I left Zingerman's to go to culinary school. And then I actually saw Ari at a book talk in San Francisco. And he's like, you look miserable. Why don't you go back to doing what you were doing? You were a really happy retailer. Yeah. Stop trying to be a chef. And yeah. and that was really hard. I mean, it was decades of my dream as a young man. Yeah. And, and uh, it was a hard choice, but I quickly saw it was the right idea. And my father, may he rest in peace, was a storyteller. And so I think I saw the world through this narrative idea. And I, I was able to bring those ideas together kind of serendipitously without thinking. I, I just wanted to connect you with these producers and tell their story. I thought that was my job. And uh, people started to listen more and more. And I just kept going. So. I remember, uh, I think the first time I met you, we were here at our office having an event of some kind. There was an amazing spread that you put together yeah. for everybody. And, and it, it really, the tastes were incredible. And the, and there you were, and you approached me and said, well, that cheese came from whatever, you know, and there you were, it turned on and boy, I was drawn right in. Yeah. And I think I ate twice the amount of cheese I might've otherwise eaten just because it was such a great experience hearing these stories from you and tasting it as you were telling it yeah. to me and therefore having, you know, a, a more holistic Mm-hmm. experience. It, was, it wasn't just about filling my belly, you know? Totally. It's I mean, all your senses. Right, I like to right. joke that context is de- is delicious, you know? Yeah. People like that story. The co- that's good. Context is delicious. That's a good one. Thank you. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, so here you are. You guys started with one store yep. in Detroit. Yeah. What's the story now? So we started at one store yeah. in Ferndale. We didn't even really have a store. We really started inside of a butcher shop. And we had a counter. So we started Uh with this quote unquote micro business idea and we grew. And for about three years now, we've had our brick and mortar in Detroit. And at some points we've had everything from one of the glass houses downtown and the wonderful Mm -hmm. holiday market that they create down there. And we've had a place in the Rust Belt market and we're still trying to find a second permanent location. That's going to be our like suburban outpost. So that's in the works. Yeah. So we still have our Detroit store, but now we have a real e-commerce site and our e-commerce site is where you can sign up for these virtual tastings, both private and public. And so 
we have tastings going on. It used to be once a month I'd empty the store and invite people in for a tasting. Now we do tastings three to seven times a week all around the country. You know, it's interesting about the e-commerce matchup to your brick-and-mortar store because when you tell me about a particular cheese in the in-store experience, and I taste it and I buy it and I enjoy it, that carries over then, and then I can be a buyer, not a shopper, because I know I like that at that point. And now it might be about convenience. I'd love that cheese that Zach told me about. And I want to buy another the second time, the third time, whatever. I can just go right out on online and, and now I can get the convenience associated with e-commerce. So the, the matching, the pairing of the brick and mortar driving e-commerce really works well in your model. Yeah, absolutely. And I think luckily there's still room for us to grow in it, right? I don't think we're quite at the point where there's going to be a little tech spot out to the corner trying to talk through what your favorite cheese is, but I still want no, to have this. No, don't do that. Yeah, that I won't, the I authenticity promise. will not be good there. But I right. still want this experience where someone can help you find the new favorite cheese. And we have the tastings and we're on YouTube and things like that, but there's more connection to be made on the website, which is exciting for us. It's a new medium. I wouldn't mind being able to interface live online with you. Yeah, that'd be fun. I mean, that would be fun. You know, have call my, up your monger. Call up the monger and get him on the line. And there he is, pop up spot. And you can make your recommendation. All right. So what is your ambition with this business? I mean, Here you had this passion for food and for cheese and interfacing with people and making them feel good and full and satisfied in a variety of ways holistically. Uh, You're achieving all that. Yeah. Are you an entrepreneur too? You know, I am. I, I think this experience has allowed me to reflect and see that within me. I think for years I was just a ambitious line cook in my own mind. And right. you didn't think entrepreneurship. No, absolutely you, yeah. not. You, you know, were I went thinking to, about your passion, your I was, interest. Yeah. I, and I made several decisions along the way that were all about learning more and eating more and experiencing more and not about making more money or right. anything that was career kind of focused. And now I find myself absolutely trying to figure out how to grow, to optimize. You know, I really love the idea that food can be a career for people. And I think that our employees and our, our coworkers, they get to see that that's an option, right? So many people end up in the food industry on their way to something, right? Where you're baristas or we wait tables right, or we right. do something on our way. And right. A percentage of those people need to stay to have a thriving food industry. And so I think showing For people sure. that this can be your life, that it can be a really honorable and fun way to make some money is really a passion of mine. So I, I love hiring people. I love growing the staff. It's really cool to think that we have several mongers now. It's not just me and Will behind a counter. Yeah. And so I think growing for that purpose is so, so so when you come in to work at your store, you can be a monger as well. There's not just one yeah. or two. You can you can we did are, they get the title? We don't do a lot of titles. I call them mongers, but we argued way too long about our name. And if you look at it, it's a plural possessive S. And I was very, very uh adamant that it needs to be a plural it's not my choices. It's not just my provisions. It's gonna be the collective. And at this wow. point we have people who buy for us. I, I'm not the only curator. I consult the buyers, but we have a buying team, which is like so exciting to me. Yeah. Really cool. Listen, we're gonna to run to a break. When we come back, you know, I'd love to do two things and maybe more, but in the limited time that we have, I want to make sure we do two things. One, I want to talk some cheese. Yeah. So get some recommendations. What's hot? What are you loving these days? Maybe point some people in the right direction. We don't normally do that on Startup Nation Radio, but look, I'm talking to the cheesemonger. I mean, after all, right? We got some I good can, stuff. We can, we can a little wiggle room here. It's worth talking about for sure. All right. And then the other thing I want to do is to stay true to what the show's all about, really, the essence anyway, and that is uh, helping people get their businesses started or growing. So maybe if we could play a little game here where I'm a store owner. If I want to know how you're making it and I'm suffering, what can you do to maybe guide me and help me? And what are some things I need to think about if I'm going to make it in brick and mortar these days? Wonderful. Cool. Go to a break. We'll be right back with the Cheesemonger. 
on Startup Nation Radio. Back with more on Startup Nation Radio, Zach Berg, better known as the Cheesemonger, with us from Monger's Provisions. You're rolling, man. You're doing it. You're really doing it. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's really exciting times for us. It's great. It's so exciting. It's such a great thing to have you as a cornerstone merchant in the community because, you know, it's part of what makes community community, right? Absolutely. I mean, or this community, this community versus another community. Those Main Street businesses, I mean, they add a lot of texture to where we're at. Texture. It's, it's important. It's exactly right. And it's tough when you've got big Walmart staring you down and, and Home Depot and on and on it goes, big boxes, and then Amazon on top of it. Yeah. It's tough. But as I said, you guys are doing well and you've got a good formula. Let's, let's before we talk about cheese specifically, which we want to get to, maybe you could, you're meeting with success. Others are you know, challenged, yeah. maybe even worse suffering, maybe even worse closing. And maybe you could help paint a picture of two or three or five key things yeah. that local merchants should be thinking about if they want to be around. Yeah, we definitely had some key things that really helped. And obviously, there's nothing to, uh, I never want to discount luck and being at the right place and okay. having the right ingredients. So we'll but, take that as a were, given. Yeah, That's, there okay. were some key tactics. And I think that one of them that we still really try to, we're always beating this drum, is, is your email list. I, I know it's not the most sexy or exciting idea, but building that email list helped us build connections with people, asking yes. a little bit further, having access to their Especially their during email. the pandemic. And during the I mean, pandemic, right. in that first right. scary moments, we were able to say, hey, everybody, we're still here. We're taking as many precautions Beautiful. as we can. Yeah. We know that it's hard to find chicken, eggs, and flour because yeah. of the breakdown in all the systems. We have all of those things. We'd love to help you. Let us know how we can help. Nice. And, and that got us for, I'd say, six weeks in a place that we knew we weren't in full panic mode. And so having a direct line to our customers, building those connections, that was key. Relationship. Relationship building. Is critical. Yeah. Critical. The other thing, you know, I think is critical is that it costs money to get a customer. I mean, it may cost a little money. It varies customer by customer, depending on how they come, what message they see, what, what advertisement they see. But there's a cost to getting customers on board. Once you get them on board, what a sin to lose them because yeah. now you got to pay to get another one to replace the one you lost and so on. So email marketing helps you build that relationship and keep that relationship and keep that customer and keep the business coming in, right? Absolutely. And I think it dovetails to my next one, which is always listening. You know, it's it's a moment of such fear, but making sure you're asking your community, these customers, these people you serve, what do you guys need in this moment was huge. And so we were lucky. We had a community group reach out to us and say, we have dozens of people at home freaking out, watching too much television. What can we do to entertain them? Can you create this experience? Yeah. And then I think that dovetails to the third, which is saying yes and then figuring it out after. Um, <laughs> That's you know, the best one of all. <laughs> it, you just got it. it in the, as right. long as it's not against your core beliefs or your mission or it's not illegal, we're a small business. You know, no shouldn't be in the vocabulary. And so we said yes. And then we sat down and figured out logistically how we were going to accomplish meeting all these people on their couch and having a shared experience. Yeah. And that birthed what's now the main thrust of our business, which is these virtual experiences. And I didn't know what that meant 18 months ago. It wasn't a thought I had ever fleshed out. And between April and January, I did 80 virtual experiences. I sat there and talked to my iPad, hoping that people were at the <laughs> right, other end talking right. about cheese 80 yeah. different times. It was a, an incredible journey, but I wouldn't have started it if I didn't listen to a customer sure. and try to meet their sure. needs. Yeah. The whole virtual thing, it's interesting. You know, I think for a while it had some novelty, mm -hmm. you know, 
But man, we're over it, aren't we? So it's interesting. We have a unique experience. I agree that we're all over meetings and we're all over birthdays that are over Zoom and, and this kind of when feeling. When you say all loss. over, we're finished with it. We're finished. We're, I mean, People we're just are, mentally, it, emotionally, okay. I mean, we uh, see it. Enough we, already. We get these yeah. events where it's a bunch of coworkers and half the people have their screens off. No one wants to be involved like that anymore. <laughs> Our advantage is, I think, that because there's a tactile experience and a taste, yes. you're sharing an experience far greater than just That's having true. a meeting with people. That is very and true. sometimes, if people are open to it, you can have some really nice connections on that. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we're happy to have found this medium. I definitely can't wait to be in person, and I can't wait to hand samples and see smiling faces. But I'm also very aware that if it wasn't for that format change, I wouldn't have done tastings in New York, California, and you know, all throughout the country. Right, we've right. been uh, we've grown into a national company because of that, without aiming at that. If that yeah, makes sense, yeah, and you've grown into a national company because of the e-commerce element. I mean, largely, yeah, yeah e-commerce yeah, yeah. and yeah. virtual tastings right, for right, right. you know offices around the country. So, so let's talk about becoming a national company. Do you have plans to grow? You know, we still feel like there's so much in Michigan that's not heard of us. So we're, we're not looking to open up a location anywhere, except for maybe like an order fulfillment out of state. But uh, we certainly have plans to grow. We really want to understand how to continue to grow our offerings in the virtual world while staying true to us and partnering with other entrepreneurs. We've found a way to kind of tell our story really fluidly. There's a lot of cooks who are amazing cooks who maybe don't want to sit there and do demo shows or don't know how to tell their story. We would love to partner with some local restaurants and have cooking experiences, the cheese experience, the yoga experience, and kind of keep yes. exploring yes. virtual experiences. Because yes. Yes. although COVID, God willing, is going to go away very soon and we're all going to be in person there's still distributed workforces. It's a cheaper way to all enjoy yourself to have a wine and cheese event with your yeah. colleagues around the country than to yeah. fly everybody to the Abs home office. Absolutely. And so we want to keep offering those things. So let's get to the heart of the matter here. Let's get to the core of the passion, the essence of it all. Talk some cheese. Yeah. What, uh, so I tasted a cheese, and I don't remember what it was, and I've been wanting to get a hold. Actually, the reason you're on the radio show today, <laughs> what cheese I did I have know the name three of years cheese. ago? I might know, too. Yeah. So it was a, a kind of a interesting. It was deep orange in color, and oh, it had yeah. a grainy. Lemuse gr Gruda. I know exactly what it was. Yeah. yeah. It's it's our number one selling cheese uh, historically. Really? It's a amazing gouda from holland a woman named and Betty Coster, great, what do you call the, the how do you tyrosine is the name of it officially but it's a crystallized amino crystallized, acid right, exactly flavor crystals is what we mostly call it and betty Coster, it's aged by this specific woman who she just knows how to put her magic touch on gouda wheels ah. and so we have a cow goat and sheep now from her so that's wow. one of the new things is rispin by the same ager Wow. I mean, it really left an impression on me. I good, love that. Good stuff. I love that. Okay. So what else are you loving these days? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a fun time of year as the weather changes, how we eat changes. And so I really like to think of cheese seasonally. It's not really something we talk as much about, but we have this beautiful Alpine cheese, you know, up from the Austrian mountains. And this one's actually covered in flowers from those same Alps. And so it has this wonderful herbaceous wow. floral flavor and it just That's makes cool. you think summer. Um, it's beautiful. And then it looks good. You're it saying looks too. good and, it and it's, it's delicious. Right. Yeah. delicious, right? It's uh, it's covered in the flowers and it actually lends a flavor. It's more than just a pretty yeah. face. It's a good cheese. Oh wow! So that's Alp Blossom, oh. and that's okay. a perennial favorite at the store. And taking notes. Yeah, they, yeah, we'll have to bring right, you some. Right, right. And then. Um, you know, I mentioned Don't the be offended that I didn't take notes when you were giving me the entrepreneurial tips. You <laughs> saw I picked my pen up when yeah. you started. Cheese, this yeah, is geez, important this to capture. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I mentioned the Rispin, which is a great cheese. Also, in Michigan, we have Idle Farms and Zingerman's and Evergreen Lanes and a couple other really cool creameries. 
this time of year, a couple months ago really is when the goats and the sheep and everything starts to turn on. And yeah. so now you have the full array of all their cheeses. So Idle Farms in Northport, Michigan and Zingerman's have just a amazing plethora of goat cheese right now. It's oh. really special time of year and uh, we really enjoy that. Beautiful. So the, the obvious question on the heels of that tantalizing conversation is, how do I buy from you yeah. online or come into the store? The address of the store, the web address, we're ready. Absolutely. So we are at 4240 Cass Avenue in Midtown, and that's our brick and mortar. We'd love to have you. We're open 12 to 6, seven days a week, yep. and we do grilled cheeses there. I haven't mentioned the grilled cheeses, but that's worth Ooh. a trip on its own. And so that's the most traditional way, let's say. Otherwise, please check us out at mongersprovisions.com and you can buy cheese, chocolate, charcuterie in the lower 48 states. And then lastly, I would, you know, just encourage you to check us on social media or just keep aware of the different public tastings. We do one about once a month where we invite everybody to do a deep dive into a theme. The next one is going ham for Father's Day, where we're going to yeah. talk about prosciutto yeah. versus serrano yeah. versus country ham and celebrate Father's Day. And they're a really fun way to kind of get that in the store storyteller experience. It's become in some ways like the purest offering we've ever had. Sure. And, and we just kind of stumbled into it. You know, it's a great story. You're doing a great job. You know, you can measure success in many different ways. You can measure it by the increased revenues you're experiencing, the fact that you're still thriving even on the other side of the pandemic. You can measure it by the fact that you've now got a thriving e-commerce. You can measure it by a lot of business ways to typically measure something. But on the softer side of things, I'll tell you, anytime I mention your store or you, it's always received universally. People love what you're doing, man. Love it. Love your store. Love you. Love the whole thing. And so I would say next to the fact that you now this is your second appearance on Startup Nation Radio, which has got to be the number one way to measure success. Absolutely. After that, the fact that these people really have an affection for you and your store is just the most beautiful thing. So congratulations. Wonderful to have you in the community, and we hope for the next thousand years. Thank you so, so much. I All wish right. the radio could pick up my blushing, but I, I really appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. you earned it, man. Thank you so much. All right, great Startup Nation show. How can you top that? We'll be back next week, and we'll try to top that on Startup Nation Radio. We'll see you then. Thanks. The preceding program was furnished by Startup Nation Media Group.